There are a lot of people who lie and get away with it. Over the North Atlantic, toward the east coast of the United States. President Kennedy died. This week on Inside Jobs, Brian, Jean, and Lee investigate the protocols of the learned elders of Zion. Hello. Ever since the Hebrews showed up on the historical scene, they have played scapegoat for a seemingly endless series of crimes and conspiracy theories for the Egyptians, the Romans, Europeans, Christians, Arabs, basically everyone. In the 19th century, the narrative of the evil Jew posited that the chosen people operated shadowy networks intent on world domination via the financial network, the mass media, and communist governments. The protocols of the learned elders of Zion, supposedly the minutes from a congress of elite Jews, helped foment anti-Semitism, inspiring everyone from Hitler to Henry Ford to Al-Qaeda. Joining me to discuss this infamous false document are civilian investigator Eugene Ford O'Neill, gentlemen, and conspiracy expert Lee Golden. Shabbat Shalom! <laughs> I'm historian Brian Lane. Welcome to Inside Jobs. Thank you, Brian. It's good to be with you folks today. It's good to be with you guys. I feel like this is going to be a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that we can fight the Yabolo Shaloyim, and uh, through the <laughs> love of Adonai, today we can uh, say Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech Lee is already spreading propaganda. It's too bad only three of the twelve elders could show up today. Yeah. <laughs> Bang- Banger is three of them. <laughs> and that we're not recording this in the Prague Cemetery. Um, but uh, yeah, so the, the, the protocols of the elders of zion it's a big it's it's a big matzo ball right there um and i wanted to start this off by confirming to listeners that uh it is a it is a forgery it is not ryan spoiler alert <laughs> oh yeah gene i forgot we hear you the evi- uh okay audience you're gonna have to forgive our host who had a sudden lapse in judgment we gather the evidence and then at the end of the show we decide whether uh said subject is a conspiracy or is not a conspiracy so okay. i'm i'm gonna stay up here on the fence until <laughs> i've heard both sides of the argument and All i am right. contractually obligated by my membership uh, of the protocols of the elders uh to really not say anything until the end as well mm. to disavow exactly. well that's actually where i wanted to start lee uh as the only jew on our on our show that we know of. <laughs> I mean, aside from the uh, ten besuited men who stand around me as I record and edit the program. Um, but Lee, wh- do you remember the first time you heard about the um, the protocols? Yeah, actually, um, a friend of mine who is a writing partner uh, um, of mine from back in the day. Um, he and I were coming up with like this idea for a comedy action movie and we wanted the bad guys to be like um, the elders of Zion. And he actually explained to me what the elders were. It's not exactly something that they talk about in um, in Hebrew school. So it took someone who had been raised in a sem- sort of anti-Semitic 
um, <laughs> environment, but like kind of that folksy anti-Semitism where it's like, it's like he's he's a totally sweet guy, and I think later realized the the own anti-Semitism in his uh, in his upbringing, but. Um, Kind of like in talking to him, he would say things where I'd be like, oh, you're kind of being anti-Semitic, but you don't really know it. But uh, whatever, you're my friend and we make fun movies together and play video games. Wait, so before before you even heard about the Elders of Zion, you already imagined that there was some shadowy council of high-ranking Jews. I didn't imagine shit. I'm a member. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) As a child, you were already a member of the Learned Elders? Yeah, I thought they would start you off in like the junior committee. Were you like the Anakin Skywalker of Zion? Yeah, um, pretty much Samuel L. Jackson said that they shouldn't train me. Um, but Liam Neeson was like, dude, after everything I went through in Schindler's List, we got to train this dude. Is Samuel L. Jackson <laughs> Jewish, like converted or something? That sounds, that's not right. He's not, you're, he's thinking not of, he's, you're thinking of Dean Martin. Yeah, he's not named in the, Al, in the uh, Adam Sandler song, so he's probably not Jewish. I'm thinking of Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah, I think you're right. That's who I'm thinking of. Well, Uh, uh, so Lee, you've obviously experienced some pretty great anti-Semitism. Yeah. Uh, But you've also enjoyed even more advantage. Right. Well, my sister sister is a member of the Hebrew clergy. She's studying to be a cantor at uh, Hebrew Union College out there in New York, uh, uh, you know, neighbors to you, Brian. Um, so we are indoctrinated. My father was president of congregation B'nai Shalom. Um, so basically we are, uh, just a Hebrew powerhouse in my family. My grandmother, Miriam Levitch Golden, was actually the first woman to be bat mitzvahed on the West Coast of the United States. So we are just kind of an elite. How do um, they know that? What about Native Americans? <laughs> Pocahontas was the first bat mitzvahed girl. <laughs> Um, when when did that happen? Uh, that was uh, 1930s. That seems really late. Like, did no Jews go? Well, I mean, oh, the, the this idea is going to of... sound terrible. Did no Jews go during the gold rush to California? Well, no, I mean, but but women <laughs> yeah, were not. They missed that one. Women were not bat mitzvah at that time. It was really only until oh, the, 20th, okay. the 20, 20th century that. Uh, you know, women were even allowed to sit on the same side of the synagogue as men. And, and you know, it's still in... Well, uh, in reformed synagogue. Right. So, yeah. So she became... Uh, she was an early stalwart of the reformed community and uh, was a big member of Hadassah. And we recently had her funeral. And I think I talked about it in a previous episode where I met a friend of hers, Lily Black, who was a Holocaust survivor, who said if she met a uh, denier, she would punch them in their goddamn face. And uh, at that ceremony, we were looking at all these uh, Jewish awards that she had won over the years on the wall. And remember the last time I saw my grandfather before he died, he was uh, being honored at this kind of Jew ceremony that was related to like Southern California reform Judaism. And my sister and I got blazing drunk. So, Lee, you're saying that at these secret occult Jewish ceremonies honoring your elders... Yeah. You just like to get blitzed out of your mind with Rip your sister. Rip-roaring wasted. Rip-roaring wasted. Wow. So these are real respectful events. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And, like, it's kind of sad because that was the last time I saw my grandfather. <laughs> oh, God. Except, actually, we did see him in the casket. When you're not supposed to look at the dead body of your family members, unlike your crazy people, Gene. You're not? Um, no, you're not supposed to do open caskets. But my one of my great aunts was like, 
flipping out at the funeral. She's like, I have to see him. I have to see him. And like Whoa. made them open the casket. And we're all just like sitting there staring at my grandfather's dead body. So. And he's like, surprise. <laughs> and then he goes into his cat skills act. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's why I, I wanted to ask you about that because, um, you know, anti-Semitism has a very lengthy history, as I noted at the top of the show. One of uh, one of our oldest, proudest traditions. Yeah. <laughs> one of humanity's oldest, proudest traditions yeah. is accusing the Jews of being behind horrible crimes and natural disasters. One of the very few things that Eastern and Western civilization can get <laughs> together on. Yeah. My dad was really... Um was really uh persecuted in the the 50s and 60s actually which seems kind of late but uh, on his his baseball team you know they called him jew boy and his name is jared and they would say well he hey, really jared. shouldn't have put jew boy on his jersey <laughs> yeah, <That's> his <laughs> and uh it all yeah his, his number on the back of his jersey was all in kabbalah um <laughs> so they his name is jared and they would say hey jared do you know and he'd be like yeah i know and they'd be like look jared knows and they would point at his nose and um, oh jesus this one guy my so my dad was not really accepted uh you know on like the baseball team or whatever so he went into the locker room and i mean in the weight room and started lifting weights and getting ripped my dad is like actually super ripped now he he looks like he has like the body of like batman but like the head of marty feldman um (laughs) so so he goes so this 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 kid's in the hallway and he goes like jared knows jared knows and my dad just like picks the motherfucker up by his collar, slams him in the locker, and says, Jared knows everything, so shut the fuck up. Bam! Wow. Just like that, turn. Maybe we should turn the topic of this episode to stories of Lee's dad beating up (laughs) (laughs) anti-Semites. But, but yeah, I mean, it's... um, it's it's very interesting because the history of anti-Semitism uh, is lengthy and it goes through these weird stages. So, you know, people probably know about um, medieval uh, theories about the Jews because by that time, a lot of Jewish civilizations had sprung up all throughout medieval Europe and they were kind of uh, ostracized um, by gentile societies and often attacked and like purges happened oftentimes officially sanctioned every a lot of you know people know about how during the um inquisition well i was gonna say even even before Before the inquisition during the uh the plague oh yeah uh when jewish communities were blamed because they were far out from the different from the urban centers and therefore were not as affected right yeah although even even when jewish um Jewish uh, uh, towns were totally experiencing the effects of the plague. They would still say, "Oh yeah, those assholes poisoned our well. We better go. They brought this on us. We better go attack and kill them all." Um, so you know, and then as, exactly as you said during the Inquisition, uh, Catholic authorities would like force these. Um, what are they? What are they called? Auto de fe of uh, Jews renouncing their religion and renouncing the evils that they had perpetrated and, you know, admitting that they had killed Christ. Um, Made them sing the R.E.M. song, Losing My Religion. <laughs> Which is a good a good prelude to the torture that yeah. was then went on pro- public display. 
because uh, that song is insufferable. <laughs> um, but uh, but really in the in the in the earlier so like the later part of the 18th century and then the early part of the 19th century the story started to change and it's all it's interesting i think because the story changed for a lot of different secret societies um as most people know the illuminati the actual bavarian illuminati were founded in uh, the late 18th century in bavaria part of what is now germany and it was quickly squashed, and yet rumors remained over its, you know, intentions. And by that time, like the Rosicrucians and the Society of Jesus and those sorts of organizations were looked upon as shadowy networks of powerful figures who were trying to do things behind the scenes. Um, and even during Napoleon's reign of France as emperor, he... <laughs> He reversed a lot of the anti-Semitic laws that were passed during the French Revolution uh, explicitly to attract Jews to move to France so that he could tax them more and gain, you know, gain their money in order to wage his conquering wars. Oh, Jesus, that's actually a really good idea. Oh, my God. <laughs> and there, there was a lot of uh, the a lot of the Crusades were actually funded by uh uh, Jewish businessmen too, and like you know, the various uh, kings that were behind the crusade would be like, "Oh yeah, we'll uh, we'll totally pay you back," and uh, never did. Um, and uh, you know, in general, Christians did not want to be lenders in medieval society because their stuff in the New Testament basically says, you know, you shouldn't make money off of lending money. Um, which well, there's is- that there's that scene in. Um- that Martin Scorsese movie where Willem Dafoe beats up all those moneylenders in the temple. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's that called? Uh, the Last Temptation of the Green Goblin. <laughs> so, so be- it, but be- because moneylending and interest is an essential part of any complex economy, of course, they needed someone to p- perform that function. So they said, well, we can't do it, so let's have the Jews do it. So the Jews, that was the only job they were really allowed to do. And then it gets turned back on the Jews and say, and they say, oh, look at these evil moneylenders. So they're forced basically to do this job and then blamed for doing it well. And I think that's kind of one of the, the great economic ironies of anti-Semitism. That's actually a really old ancient thing, just to make a quick digression here. Because uh, Israel, or at least where the Jews settled, um, you know, kind of halfway between Egypt and Mesopotamia, um, you know, they're, they're, that territory was constantly being conquered either by Mesopotamia or by Egypt. They were never really, like, settled, so they were always halfway between these two great powers, <clears throat> these two great agricultural powers. And so um, Jews just kind of naturally developed toward trading because they were kind of a way station halfway in between Mesopotamia and uh, Egypt and eventually just started integrating into those countries. And uh for some reason uh in Greece and Mesopotamia and Egypt it was like looked down upon to be a merchant because you didn't own your own land and kind of master your own land and uh harvest it yourself so uh yeah it was considered there was kind of this sort of metaphysical um uncouthness to being a merchant so like that yeah. kind of attitude predates um the New Testament I'm not totally sure where it comes from 
I think it comes from the Phantom Menace where Wado, the merchant uh, who's trying <laughs> who's to wearing sell a yarmulke. The, yeah, he's trying to sell them the new hyperdrive uh, uh, to Liam Neeson. Um, what's his name? Uh, Qui-Gon Schindler. And um, yeah, so I, since that I is a long when time Liam ago, Neeson realizes he's been ripped off and he calls Wado and says, I don't know where you are, but I will find you and I will kill you. <laughs> I have a very special set of skills, and <laughs> killing Jews is one of them. <laughs> he's he's good at both saving and subsequently taking advantage of Jews, that Liam Neeson. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> what a hero. Uh, I, I was, and I was cuckolding them if we saw husbands and wives. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and fighting wolves. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it was also looked down upon in the ancient world to call upon your vengeful god to bring a plague of locusts into the environment. Yeah, so that, that was, was also considered in port considered in Yeah, it was a little bit gauche to do yeah. things like that. The Jews are poor losers, what can we say? <laughs> you ever see that Sandy Koufax after a game? <laughs> yeah, throwing his glove on the ground. Kicking the dirt. Calling Man. for a plague on the New York Giants. Sa- Sandy Koufax is basically, in my family, the best person ever. He's basically a saint, in it, right? <laughs> yeah, you know how, like, in your family, um, Gene, your grandma probably has, like, a picture of Jesus framed up next to a picture of John God, Kennedy? I am trying to think, yeah, I would say in the Irish Catholic world, John F. Kennedy is the Sandy Koufax. <laughs> The best baseball player. He had a very small and brief career. It might not have been good as we actually remember it. <laughs> he 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 broke the glass ceiling. <laughs> he was the first president uh, to get into the Baseball Hall of Fame at such a young age. Like <laughs> Sandy Koufax, he was shot in an open motorcade. Yeah, he didn't. And JFK didn't listen to the pitching coaches, which told him that his uh, style of pitching would uh, eventually ruin his arm and jfk always put his arm in a thing of ice at the end of every uh, game both of their favorite poems were i have a rendezvous with death their brothers both fucked marilyn monroe (laughs) (laughs) they both loved baseball (laughs) they both loved the presidency (laughs) um uh i don't know who my family's hero would have been but I definitely remember in the early 90s when Nixon died, my basically non-religious family gathered at the kitchen table and my mom led us in prayer for his soul. Oh, I just pulled off of my um, my sort of president trying this big uh, golden Whoa, whoa, coin. whoa, 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 whoa. That's not the story. The story is you have a president shrine? I do. It's got like a, <laughs> there's, there's like a little model of the X100 Kennedy car. There's a bunch of coins, a statue of Kennedy, literally. I, I can take some pictures of this. This is and specifically a Kennedy shrine then? No, no. There's What I was going to say is there's this big gold commemorative coin. Um, it's, it's about the size of, uh, you know, maybe a... The, a tennis ball or something and uh, maybe a little smaller and it has richard nixon on it so it's like basically what if there was a richard nixon gold coin it says <laughs> president of the united states a big wonderful detailed picture of him and it says inaugurated january 20th 1969 a new day for america a new dawn for peace and freedom in the a world a nude day yes a nude day 
a nude dawn for peace and freedom in the world, Richard M. Nixon. I wow. love this thing so hard. Wow. I'll take a wow. picture and we can put yeah. it on the, the we blog. Put on, I'll put that up on the blog. So back to uh, those wily Jews. Um, the As I was saying, the, the narrative of anti-Semitism changed in the 19th century and really focused on these secret societies. Uh, and as I mentioned before, not just Jewish ones, but all sorts of secret societies as uh, the press uh, started cranking out more, um, you know, it was easier for people to fund their own newspapers and sort of posit their own ideas. And we talked about that a little bit in the Jack the Ripper episode about, um, you know, selling selling newspapers was the number one goal, not not <laughs> not capitalizing on the facts or a scoop. So a lot of things were made up and a lot of newspapers and magazines would publish all sorts of you know you know crazy stories or serialized novels um, right and sort of these right-wing nationalist newspapers that existed all over europe and as well as america and russia uh published certain things that were you know Patently we were, untrue? <laughs> patent, patently untrue. And so there are a few pre precursors to the publication of The Elders of Zion, uh, or the Protocols of The Elders of Zion. Wasn't um, it was like the dialogue in hell between Machiavelli and Montesquieu or something like that? Yeah, and that was something that was that was blatantly ripped off for the... For the um, yeah. The uh, Protocols. Um, but I was, I was going to mention first this thing from 1867... Uh, this so there was a Jew who converted to Christianity named Jacob Brafman, and, and he changed he, his name to Bob Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> he and he wrote the Book of the Kahal, which was this you know lengthy. It, it very much echoed, uh, or it very much um, uh, forecast the manifestation of the protocols later because it was minutes supposedly of a late 18th century early 19th century ukrainian uh cabal of jews and it it talked about um you know what they planned to do with their ability to infiltrate gentile society by being merchants and that sort of stuff um and it was considered uh accurate because the man who wrote it was himself a, a convert from judaism uh so that started stirring up quite a bit of hatred in russia and uh, it is actually blamed for a very serious 1871 pogrom or pogrom that uh that resulted in the death of uh, several jews with the local administrators lamenting the fact that only two were killed uh so we'll get them next time boys yeah <laughs> so this is not to be confused with the sketch show Kids in the Cajal. <laughs> or is it? Shit. You're on to us, O'Neill. But it is to be confused with Benai Candy. Okay. I couldn't think of a good pun for that. I'm sorry. I don't even know what that means. Brain candy? Oh, brain candy. candy. Booger sugar? What? Oh, Brain Candy, the kids in the whole movie. Right. Oh, man, I hooked up with a hot Latin chick while watching that movie once, so I don't know what happens in it. <laughs> oh, man, it's a great movie. There are elements of my life that are reflected in the plot. Yeah. 
Thanks um, to my sterling virginity when that movie came out, I remember every line. <laughs> that sounds like someone who would have been like in Nixon's inner circle. Well, this is my side man, sterling virginity. Sterling virginity. <laughs> I think even the Kennedy, like, this is McGeorge Bundy and <laughs> sterling, sterling virginity. virginity. <laughs> No, I think everybody, nose... everybody in JFK's cabinet had that kind of haze of poise-coital bliss, whereas everybody <laughs> in the Nixon cabinet, it was like it was like the Seinfeld the contest, but it had been going on for decades. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Yeah, when when Kennedy announces the presence of uh, ballistic missiles on Cuba, he looks like he has been roundly fucked all morning <laughs> yeah, long. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of JFK, um, Brian, I think I told you this via text message earlier in the week. Um, but once I was watching JFK with Vanger, oh there, god, there's a scene in the movie where like they, right. they first this is find a twenty the... minute digression right here. Okay. <laughs> We're gonna start talking about this. Well, there's a, there's a, this. It's really quick. There's a scene early in the movie where the uh, Jim Garrison's female um, paralegal says Leslie Metcalf, aka Aunt Jackie from Roseanne, right. Um, they find the rifle, and she goes, well, that just about ties it up. And while we were watching it, Rusty shakes his head, or Banger shakes his head and goes, stupid bitch. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Man, one time he ate four weed brownies and had to sit in the car while we were all at Fuddruckers. <laughs> Why did he sit in the car? I don't know. He he was there and he followed the lady down the kitchen line telling her exactly what to put in his food. Then disappeared and then called me and said, I'm in the car. Why did he eat four wee brownies? That is so much. <laughs> it was insane. Was he freaking out? Oh, he was like flipping his shit, guys. <laughs> he thought the Fuddrucker was eating him. <laughs> He kept calling it Rudfucker. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the people in the Kennedy ex- administration looked like they'd been recently fud-ruckered. <laughs> um, okay. Anyway, protocols, elders. Protocols of the Zion. Um, so, uh, one interesting thing that happened in the uh, 1870s was that Karl Marx amongst others, began writing and publishing excessively about, you know, very far-left ideologies. And these have sort of, you know, Marx and Engels are the, are, the, are the biggest names, and they introduced theories about communism. But there were a lot of other people writing. And some of these were, these folks were writing about the politics that helped inspire the Paris Commune um, which, you know, was a, was a lengthy period of time that is very interesting to actually study in 1870-71 France. No, it's um, not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a, there was a lot you of just... stuff. There was, there was Karl Marx, Frederick Engels, Ariana Huffington, Alec Baldwin, just all these left-wing guys with these new ideas. Barack Obama. <laughs> um... Well, I mean, it's interesting because if you look at Paris, the Paris Commune, the, the communards, as they were known, would do things like, oh, uh, women should have the right to keep their job if they have to go on maternity leave, <laughs> which, you know, is something that the United States in 2013 still struggles with. Um, so uh, so all of these political activists were 
you know, crushed not only in Paris, but all around Europe um, for exercising and preaching about these ideas. So, for instance, one of the th one of these ideas is called the propaganda of the deed. And this is something that inspired quite a few anarchists, both in America and Europe, to engage in terrorist activities against the ruling class, specifically monarchs. And so um, the Austrian empress was assassinated. Uh, many uh, German um, uh, Reichstag members were assassinated. And the idea behind this in, in the terms of that specific propaganda of the deed is that it is publishing literature about your anarchist or your leftist beliefs is one way to reach people but a better way to promote propaganda of your ide ideology is, is to, to make the movie v for vendetta <laughs> <laughs> but make it about neoconservatism instead yeah. of anarchism and have Time Warner own the copyright to the Guy Fox mask so they get a chunk of change every time it's sold to an anonymous member. I have one literally hanging on my wall. Oh dear. Holy. I know. <laughs> but, um, I, yeah. <laughs> but sorry, just to finish that thought, the, the idea that terrorist action would inspire, uh, workers and the lower class, uh, more so than literature. Um, was followed by a lot of people and it led to cracking down in the latter 19th century by secret police officers and other government agents on these, you know, shadowy terrorist and anarchist networks. And one of those secret police was a man named Herman Gotchi. Gotchi. Yeah. Was he? I thought that was uh, something else. No, he was. Uh, no, he was a spy for the Prussian secret police. Actually, the pr oh yes, 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 the Prussians. And uh, he is believed oh, right, yeah. to be Brucci. the one of the authors of the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. So. Right. The, I was actually sorry uh, to 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 go off on something else, but one of the other secret police that is kind of m more storied is Piotr Rechkovsky. And I right. apologize for this horrible pronunciation. But what's interesting as a little tangent, because this show is all about tangents, um, is that he would actually <laughs> initiate inside jobs and false flag attacks himself. Yeah, And so he would like help fund anarchists secretly to carry out terrorist attacks so that then later they could um the government could crack down more on those groups yeah he was in russia or he was he was from russia but he was head of the paris office of the yeah. russian secret police o called the okrana right um so yeah he is another um you know possible writer of the the protocols but as we stated earlier uh well, man, imagine you... having a copy of the Protocols of Zion signed by him. Yeah, that'd be pretty awesome. That'd be worth a lot of money. I just have it on my iPad, and the last time I tried to get someone to sign my iPad, I had to take it into the Apple Store. <laughs> yeah, excuse me, my yeah. iPad came with a signature. <laughs> of Robert Grodin. <laughs> <laughs> um. But Rychkovsky was involved in a lot of uh, th things like the uh, the Elders of Zion, or the the forgery of the Protocols of the Elders of Zion before they were published in 1896. And um, one of the big things that he did, like he was a former criminal himself, and so he was attached to um, the undergrounds of Europe, and he started to make all sorts of connections with people. And what he would do is he would turn 
anarchist and leftist um uh activists to his side and then work with them to do things and one of the one of the people that he met was this guy named uh victor rochefort who was uh this very interesting kind of bourgeois fellow who worked with the communards in the early 1870s and then when the um republicans took back paris and they started prosecuting people they sent him to new caledonia which was a prison um like a prison island in southern southern uh the south pacific great font by the way new caledonia <laughs> <laughs> good excellent um and Rochefort was, you know, legitimately a leftist activist, and he was able to escape in this kind of unbelievable process. He escaped from New Caledonia, hitched a ride all the way to San Francisco, took a train across the United States, and eventually ended up in London before heading to Belgium. Wait, he he took a train to London from San Francisco? Well, no, sorry, he took a train from... He was uh, on that train that Tom Cruise takes in Mission Impossible. (laughs) Man, that one's so sweet. (laughs) He was on that that train that Doc Brown takes. (laughs) at the end of back to the future part three no he took a train to new york and then sailed to london sorry um and what is interesting about uh this this fellow is that he was uh rabidly anti-semitic in addition to you know expressing sympathy for these leftists and the theory is that he and rochkovsky met up and rochkovsky knew that he was a playwright, knew that he was a writer, and helped convince him to forge the Protocols of the Elders of Zion uh, in in Belgium. And the there's, you know, a number of different uh, pieces of evidence for this. But specifically, uh, based on, on Rochefort's pedigree, uh, he would have been familiar with a lot of the works that, you know, were eventually plagiarized to be turned into the Protocols. Um, and this, I'm getting this entire theory, I should note, from The World That Never Was by Alex Butterfield, which is, which is the story about, uh, Rychkovsky and these anarchists in the late 19th century. It is not a great book. Okay. <laughs> um, but, Three moves uh, from Amazon shopping cart. <laughs> Man, I love it when you narrate your mouse clicks. <laughs> Closes gay porn. <laughs> no, that didn't happen. <laughs> Leaves Op- gay porn open. Yeah. Opens several new tabs of gay porn. <laughs> Clears browsing cache. Checks out Breitbart in the morning. Guys, please. My grandma just started listening to this show. I don't want her to think I'm listening to Andrew Breitbart. Yeah, she's got. She's staring longingly at that JFK portrait on her wall. Watching <laughs> yeah, Edison. please. That name is blasphemy in my grandma's house. Gene O'Neill. <laughs> yes, <laughs> she'll vote Democrat till the day she dies. So, the, what the pro, when the protocol surfaced, and there are alternate versions of the story of their publication. If especially if you read or like a watch director's e- cut. Or or watch YouTube videos. Yeah, they changed the end so it looks like the elders are replicants. <laughs> and Ridley Scott won't admit if that's really true or not, but he hints strongly. They delete the narration, though, which a lot of people think is vast improvement. And the weird unicorn scene. 
<laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that thing. <laughs> um, so there's this mystic in Russia named Sergei Nilus, who is the first person who published the protocols in full, and he's you know he's this kind of Christian. Uh, provincial mystic that like it's sort of in the vein of a, a rasputin who lived in russia and had connections to some of the people that uh like Richkovsky, uh who were believed to have forged the documents and help he the nazis get hellboy <laughs> <laughs> why would he do that i don't know why don't they make a third one for the false flag <laughs> he's the, they won't make a third one because that director is too busy making a, like an insane Japanese child's wet dream of what a movie should be. Oh, Pacific that, like, Rim. giant robots fucking each other or something. Yeah, it just looks insane. Um, so well, Pacific uh, Rim job—that's what it's called. Yeah, Transformers Four. Pacific Rim side job. Um, <laughs> Rim side jobs. Oh, I love it so much. Uh, that would be the gay porn parody of this podcast that I have been working on. That, I, that you have been filming I, yourself. That I've been working on and is open in one of my tabs. Um, so Nealus was was able to publish the protocols, and uh, they started taking Eastern Europe by storm. They were a, a wild success. It's like the Dan Brown of his day. Yeah, every chapter ended with a ridiculous cliffhanger for no reason. But people definitely saw Tom H Hanks and his long hair in the movie version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is going to be Hanks-tastic. All right, guys, I have to ask now, because you've both have read Elders, the proto Elder Protocols of the Elders of Zion. Uh, so what is in it? Um, I mean, it's basically 24 different uh, protocols that, that say what the Jews should do to conquer the world. Um, you know, it's, it's sorry. It's framed as a meeting of yeah. elders of a shadowy Jewish cabal. And it goes through what they discuss in order to achieve their ultimate goal of world domination and it's all the stuff that is traditionally associated with jews like destroying other religions um trying to distract people with propaganda and entertainment applying um, high uh high interest rates on loans in order to suck money out of governments so it's like you're there just in the at the meeting like you're a yeah it's kind of like the minutes of the meeting essentially it, yeah i mean it, it is it is literally uh like a like a first person description of what happens at you know theoretically what happens at a jewish cabal meeting but they're where... meeting at the grand ballroom at the radisson in milwaukee <laughs> <laughs> they they run out of decaf early on because it's a late night and they don't want to be up yeah until the morning <laughs> um so wait it's like an alcoholics anonymous meeting <laughs> yeah <laughs> And the continental breakfast is in six hours. The so Wi-Fi, the Wi-Fi is in and the out. Free continental breakfast. Well, that's why they booked it there. They're cost conscious. Okay, so then what are uh, some of the what are some helpful tips for? I mean, does this only work for Jews, or you know, 
or there's not. some other like races who might want to you know get some helpful tips on how to take over the world um, well what's what's interesting is part of it is about how the uh jews themselves can use other religions and other societies to their advantage yeah. in order to they'll so they'll pose two different groups against each other to fight so that then they will both be weakened when the jews want to you know get in there and assume the power in that vacuum and okay. this theory goes to this day like a lot of people who blame the jews for 9-11 say oh they you know they did that to pit the christians against the muslims and weaken them so that we can take over with our money lending and fast and the furious sequels um, and there's like all this bullshit that like 4,000 Jews like didn't go to work at 9-11, I mean, at the World Trade Center that day. And, um, well, it did have that chapter, make sure you take September 11th off. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Good job, Good. Gene. Oh, um, can you, uh, high five banger? Hang on a second. <laughs> Up top. Nice. Um, but, uh, but so yeah, it, it, it's, it's full of all these weird, um, you know, weird conversations between the members about things that they're going to do and subsequent literary analyses of the, the published book have established that it's basically a ripoff of that, um, that play that Lee mentioned before There's, that has a lengthy a Maurice, name. I like to think Charlie of it as an play. homage <laughs> right. rather than a, a reboot. Oh. Oh, it's a, a dialogue in hell between Machiavelli and Montesquieu. And then as well as uh, an anti-Semitic novel um, called Biarritz by Hermann Goethe that you were mentioning earlier, Lee, uh, which features a scene where uh, at midnight a Jewish secret organization meets in the Jewish cemetery of Prague. And it's the, like the 12 representatives of the tribes of Judea discussing how they're going to take over the world and so uh, you know they and it worked <laughs> it worked and they've stole what is interesting also is that they stole um a lot from so uh, if people know uh the big lebowski <laughs> They may have they may yes. have heard the name they may have know they may have heard the name Theodore Herzl. Uh, <laughs> that who, is the only way that people know that name. <laughs> I did no, visit he, his grave in Israel. Was it because of the Big Lebowski reference? Oh, for sure. Also, that part where Julianne Moore goes Sachs and then says coitus. Mm -hmm. If you will it, it is no dream. The uh, it's a complicated so, case, lots of ins and outs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Theodore Herzl w uh, witnessed the Dreyfus affair unfolding in France, which was a very anti-Semitic show trial of which a was French, which was uh, Richard Dreyfus getting screwed out of a role in Star Wars, right? Yeah, right. Pretty much. So in France, uh, it was this trial uh, of a French officer who was accused of selling secrets military secrets to the germans and he was uh based on trumped up charges he was cashiered and sent away to devil's island and forced um, to marry julia louise dreyfus and and it was interesting because the whole episode was backwards <laughs> right. um uh, you can stuff your sorries in a sack, mister. <laughs> but, uh, but so Herzl witnessed this and he realized that anti-Semitism in Europe was never going to come to an end. So he started, uh, this ideology of Zionism, which was that the Jews should have their own homeland. 
uh, which right in the heart of anti-Semitism. <laughs> yeah. Well, they they should have their home, own homeland away from all these anti-Semitic uh, communities and 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 federal states. Um, right in between Egypt, Syria. <laughs> yeah, basically well, right Jordan. in the middle of the Jew fan, biggest Jew fan club in the world. His original thought was to have it right in the middle of Berlin, but uh, <laughs> that didn't work out. Um, no, but so he pub- he published all this uh, all this stuff and started to accrue followers of what what, what became known as Zionism, and eventually resulted in, as we mentioned earlier, the Big Lebowski. Um, so, what's what's interesting is the protocols uh, plagiarize all those other books that I mentioned earlier, as well as parts of uh, Herzl's own documents. Or own um, own books writing about the benefits of Zionism and what Zionists need to do in order to protect their Jewish communities. Because if you take some of that stuff out of context, it could basically be construed the wrong way. Yeah, I mean the <laughs> when you're looking to isolate yourself from violence against you, the. Uh, by engaging in a multinational yeah a multinational approach to nation building uh yeah it can definitely be taken out of context just like those texts i was sending that girl from work god damn it trey oh well while lee while lee deals with uh his newfound singleness well let's take a quick break and we'll be back to discuss the legacy of the protocols stoppable because no one will be prepared for it. We need to do a lot of evil things in order to gain power, but that's okay. Because once we have power over everything, then we can use it for good things, like running the nations properly and efficiently. We could never do that if we gave people the freedoms that they believe that they should have. The end justifies the means. So let's put aside moral issues and focus on the end result. We have a good long-range plan here, and we cannot afford to deviate from it. Otherwise, all of our work over the centuries will have been for nothing. In order to plan our actions effectively, we must take into... So the protocols were published in 1896, and they were very popular in uh, Eastern Europe for quite some time, as they were subsequently translated into several different languages. And eventually they spread to a little place I like to call the U.S. of A., uh, and in uh, in the 1920s, uh, they started. Henry Ford was way into them. He was giving them out with free with his cars, right? <laughs> well, Henry Ford was an anti-Semite, and he started publishing an English version of the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. And th- this was part of a, a broader campaign of his. So you can still purchase it. Fordism. Yeah, you can still purchase it to this day. It is called the International Jew. And it is a... <laughs> That's kind of like how they changed the Philosopher's Stone to the Sorcerer's Stone when they brought Harry Potter to America. They've got to dumb down the title for us. Yeah, well, means. the International Jew was a series of articles written for and by Ford about the international menace of Judaism. Um, it kind of reminds me of a Soviet uh, a slur for Jews, the Rootless Cosmopolitans. Which I think is my my favorite slur that exists. It's my favorite cocktail that exists. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a stimless 
cosmopolitan. <laughs> okay. Um, yes. Uh, but so it started to, to gain popularity in the 20s to the point that the Nazis, uh, the Nazi party in 1929 purchased the German rights to uh, the, uh, the German publication rights and started churning it out and handing it out. Um, Man, whenever you mention Nazis and rights in the same sentence, I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, they, uh, well, I, I mean, uh, a pay, you know, nobody knows if, if, if Hitler read the protocols, but he certainly used the language and the reasoning of the protocols to insult the he Jews. He skimmed it, at least. Yeah, well. So wait, you're, you're telling me that they murdered, like, millions of people and started an international war, but they had to, like, make sure that they got the publication rights for the Protocols of Zion? <laughs> well, in, 19, yeah. in 1929, they, did, they weren't in power yet. Oh, okay. They yeah. were really by the book when it came to copyright law. Yeah. <laughs> he was a big proponent of intellectual property. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, they tried to use Steamboat Willie at their rallies, but Walt Disney sued them, and you know they just got to follow the law. Their hands are tied. It's one of the things you have to respect about Hitler. Yeah. After that, they put subtitles under shots from Downfall and made him say other things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, so not only is that meme an insult to Hitler's wild tantrums, it's also an insult to the. Way, the motion Picture Association. Right, the way he cherished intellectual property law. Um, but, uh, but so yeah, so, so Ford was publishing it. The Germans were publishing it. It started to see publication in Japan as well as uh, Arab countries. So like Egypt, uh, there were versions coming out in the 20s. And it started to, you know, foment a lot of anti-Semitic... Uh, if not activity, then uh, apathy. So right. as the Germans started to curtail rights of Jewish citizens in Germany and then eventually to outright murder them, a lot of people were apathetic because they had either read or read they had either read the protocols or read or heard about derivations from it that basically they had read the back of the book. Yeah, or they had seen the movie Casablanca. <laughs> And <laughs> or they read the junior novelization with eight the choose your own adventure junior novelization with eight full and junior color was spelled J E W N I O R <laughs> junior um so choose your own adventure ah damn it i can't something Something about the chosen people choosing their own adventure. I can't. I can't figure out the exact punchline. Choose your own people. But what's uh, what's odd about that's for God only. What's <laughs> he definitely chose the Jews as he has shown them nothing but success. Um, but what's interesting about the protocols is that their legacy just keeps going. Like even today. So researching this show. I uh, read and listened to a lot, just the most fucking insane shit on the internet. Um, and now you just hate Jews. Well, I don't hate Jews because as I learned from an internet YouTube video, uh, it is not, there's nothing in the protocols of the elders of Zion about the Jews. It is actually about the Freemasons and the Jewish words and the Jewish names are all code for actual Freemason things. Oh my god, there's so many fucking idiots on the internet. <laughs> oh, what the fuck? 
Um, so yeah, like if you type in the uh, uh, Elders of the Protocols or the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, which by the way, terrible name. Come on, this is the, it reminds yeah. me. Has of... anyone ever successfully said the title? On yeah, the original go? was actually Attack of the Clones, but everyone on the internet went nuts, so they changed it. Uh, it, remi- it reminds me of that Sam Raimi Kevin Costner movie for love of the game because I can never remember if it's for the love of the game, and I can also never remember why I'm thinking about it. <laughs> because Kevin Costner love only, that movie so much. He only makes movies about baseball or presidents, and now that's why he's that's why they were that's why they had to put a president in Man of Steel to make sure he could be in it. Right. Yeah, I like the version of that movie where he's in the middle of his no hitter. He thinks about the JFK case. <laughs> <laughs> what I want to see a fan edit of For Love of the Game, where he goes into a flashback, and then it's just the entire three-and-a-half-hour director's <laughs> cut of JFK. <laughs> Man, there's that part in Bull Durham where he talks about how he's like, I believe the Lee Harvey Oswald shot first. I believe there should be a constitutional amendment outlawing the designated hitter. I believe in long, slow, wet kisses. Wait, can I just specify, Lee, that you had a very weird uh, Freudian slip there, because you said, I believe Lee Harvey Oswald shot first. Oh, <laughs> did I really say that? You did. Lee Harvey shot first. Oh man, oh my that's god, a, that's a T-shirt right there. I'm, I love myself so much right now, and I love you for appreciating that about me. Oh. Man, we do great work on this show. Um, but uh, but yeah, so like even um, in um, like Al Qaeda propaganda. Uh, they will mention, you know, the protocols of the learned elders of Zion, despite the fact that the f- that its outing as a forgery dates back to the twenties when uh, yeah the London Times yeah. I think like had some some expose about it. But even today they have like mini series on a lot of um, I think uh, Arab TV networks that that sort of act out the 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 protocols there's also like a very famous audio recording of some like guy with a southern drawl reading the elders of zion and it's funny because it's like in the first person so it's like this hick <laughs> reading the elders uh um yeah i i believe it was uh an egypt egyptian television station released a mini series uh oh, it's based great. on the, you can watch clips on yeah it. based on the protocols of the elders of zion that you can see on youtube and it's pretty insane um and uh, it's still better than that uh that uh what's it called the, the uh, star trek series with scott bacula i thought you were gonna say the bible by the history channel <laughs> where barack obama is satan <laughs> as we discussed last episode see oh right okay <laughs> see last ish ed uh, <laughs> sorry about that brian uh thank you for the uh, editorial note i'm gonna go fuck uh, michelle i did uh, thanks, thanks, uh, Mr. Obama. But as we discussed in the past, please don't speak during the recording. Oh, sorry, Rusty and I, a banger and I are going to go smoke a blunt. Yeah. You can listen, but shut up. I like how Obama also mistakenly refers to banger as Rusty sometimes, just like you, Lee. Yeah, I know. I got a lot of weird people hanging out in my apartment. <laughs> Man, have you noticed that Lee and Barack Obama are never seen together? <laughs> And then when I take my glasses off, I look like Barack Obama. Yeah, Lee, where were you for the entire 2008 and 2012 campaigns? Uh, blogging about the Kennedy assassination on my website. <laughs> That's true. Terrified that something was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. How come no one saw you downtown during 
It's because I was in California in high school. Oh, how convenient. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so just to tie up the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, uh, it is a 100% factual account of a meeting of a Jewish cabal based on the moon that controls all of Earth's events. Where they decided to renew Vampire Diaries for a fifth season, and the fact that Star Trek only got three seasons is proof that there is no God, Jewish, Muslim, Christian, or otherwise. <laughs> does Sheree watch end. Vampire Diaries? Oh, good God, she does. <laughs> oh, good God, she does. And you have to pretend you don't kind of like it. Oh my God, it's I kind of want to jerk off to it all the time. Mm-hmm. Cut that out. Okay, mm-hmm. cutting. Nope. Put a star, oh no! I wasn't telling you to cut that out of the show. Next to that. I wasn't telling you to cut that out of the show. I was t- telling a uh, banger and Barack Obama to cut out that smoking pot in my. No, apartment. you were doing your Uncle Joey bit and just going, "Hey, you cut that cut out. out! Get out of here! Seriously, <laughs> have mercy!" Barack Obama should do the cut it out. Thing. Uh, cut it out! Hey, <laughs> hey, Boehner, cut it out. <laughs> Boehner? Yeah, Boehner. John Boehner. Oh, I thought you were mispronouncing Banger. <laughs> like Barack Obama doesn't know how to call him Banger the right way. Maybe maybe Boehner's original name was Banger, but his family had to change it when they moved to this country. Yeah, they lied the G. Man, Banger is too embarrassing of a name. Let's change your name to something that sounds mysteriously close to Boner. That is spelled yeah. like it's pronounced Boner. Boner. <laughs> God, there was a girl I knew in college. Her last name was spelled P-E-N-N-E-S. Oh, my God. And she said, like, yeah, my last name is Penis. And I'm like, I, like, I didn't believe her. I'm like, no, it's not. You're joking. She's like, no, look, it shows me your driver's license. And I'm like, why would you say that you're, why wouldn't you just tell people, no, it's Penes or or it's Pen or Pene? Like, why would you admit that your last name is Penis? It's It's pronounced Rosie Perez. <laughs> and to be clear, every time you meet a girl, you ask to see her driver's license to see if she's eighteen. Yeah. Standard. No, protocol. Lee, you you no, you always in, you always take their word at it, Lee. Plausible he, deniability. He has to maintain her sterling virginity. Right. All right. Sterling virginity. Yeah. Come on, that was a killer callback. All right. That was a good one. That was a good so, one. So the Nazis were great at that. Hey, stop using that drop from the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the protocols of the elders of Zion. Gene, do you think it was uh, an inside job conspiracy? Uh, no, I think this is this is the one time I think it wasn't a conspiracy. I think I don't know. I just think there's too much evidence that the Jews actually wrote this book. A lot of the stuff they talk about came true, and they are things that they actually do. Nine eleven was real. I'm going to say not an inside job. Mm. Okay. Um, Lee, do you think? The Elders of Zion document is absolute horseshit and is not real. But coincidentally, everything that is in the document is absolutely fucking true. We are in charge. Uh, We are conspiring to take down your bullshit goy society. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's nothing you can do about it. Go watch the next Fast and the Furious movie. And, uh, that guy who always calls in to tell us how much our show sucks, watch your fucking mouth because you're going to wake up with a, um, 
mushroom-shaped circumcised cock slap. Wow. Also, Munich 2. Make it happen. <laughs> yeah. Eric Bana reprising his role as the Hulk in Munich 2. Man, oh, the, okay. One more thing I want to say. Um, best part of that movie is... Um, Which, Munich or they, the Hulk? Uh, Munich, the, the best part of the Hulk is when it ends. Best part of Munich when he goes, you're making me angry. You don't want to see me when I'm <laughs> Oh, that was good. Well, Daniel Craig says, I'm fucking rejoicing. And then he takes the little uh, Jewish man that's obviously a proxy for Spielberg himself and then dances with him to I've got sunshine on a cloudy day. God damn, I love Steven Spielberg. Wow. And yes, he, like me as a Jew, is in charge. <laughs> Jurassic Park 4. We're going to make it happen. Uh, yeah, well, see, that's I was going to say uh, it, it, it's. It's evidence that the Jews are not controlling the media or financial industries because we do not have a Jurassic Park 4. Uh, I think that would have happened ages ago if, um, you know, some responsible people were in charge of these studios. So, Well, that's the thing is like the whole uh, ethos of Jurassic Park is spared no expense. And the entire ethos of <laughs> Judaism is sparing every expense possible. Because wow. we're Jews. Up top. Standing ovation. Standing ovation. Wow. I'm going to prove to you and demonstrate to you what all this fuss is about and why these documents are very well feared by a lot of people in academia. Because the protocols, first of all, let me state from the very beginning, do not represent some type of Jewish conspiracy. They are not anti-Semitic, but what they are, in fact, are the Illuminati's blueprints for the creation of what they call a new world order. Now, let me give you an example here to begin with. All right, guys, I think that was a pretty good episode. We got to the bottom of uh, this vast international Jewish conspiracy, but... uh... We, Maybe this we, will persuade the Jews to kind of step off a little bit. Right, we're right. on to you. Um, but we did get. Well, we're gonna kill you after this episode. I mean, you didn't think you guys were gonna get away with this shit. Oh right? man, this is the last episode. Yeah, the thirteenth episode. Your and, bad luck episode. And this will never see the air either. Yep. The light of day. We're gonna put it in the vault with Snow White and the Lost Ark, and you'll never see and it that, ever again. And the clown who cried. <laughs> 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 oh my god i want to see that movie yeah. oh, it's okay. sad that that's like the biggest reason to look forward to jerry lewis's death <laughs> so we can fucking get that shit out of the archives yeah, yeah put that on screens nationwide also also the other good thing uh jerry lewis will be dead <laughs> <laughs> all right but we did a very special episode last time where we talked about the natures of, nature of conspiracies and for the most part, uh, people on the internet were very uh, appreciative, and they said that they liked the episode. And I thought that was oh, good. Yeah, I thought that was good. We did get two two phone calls. Um, oh, cool! That were m- slightly critical. So you mean we're gonna play two phone calls of the? No, 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 no! You didn't hear me. Uh, we got two phone calls that were slightly critical. I don't want to. Uh. I don't want to play all the phone calls that are just like you guys are the best. I'm going to continue kissing Gene every time I see him on the streets. All those phone calls that are just women making orgasm sounds. Right. Like in in that Howard Stern movie, Private Parts. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So here's the first one. This is from Todd in L.A. Roll him. 
Hi, I'm Todd from Los Angeles, and I just listened to your latest podcast, and I wanted to say I thought it was really good, but I was very disappointed on the lack of Obama's time given to uh, properly answer for himself, and I noticed you guys cut him off and even pretended that he wasn't really there, and I was wondering about the conspiracy of you covering up that you have access to Obama for your podcast, and what the hell's up with that? How the hell did that happen? Who knows who? I've tried to follow the money. I don't even know where it goes. <laughs> First of all, the money goes to my pocket because I'm a Jew. <laughs> Second of all, Barack Obama does what we fucking say because we're the ones that got him elected in our Jew conspiracy. Um, so when you know I say jump, he says how high. Isn't that right, B-Rock? Uh, that's absolutely right, Lee. Uh, and after this, we're going to play Goldeneye on your Nintendo. And that's right. Goldeneye refers to my last name and my eye which I'm using to fucking watch all of you goys. Your eye, which sits atop the Illuminati pyramid on the back of a dollar bill. My brown eye, which sits upon Anne Heche's butthole in the remake of Psycho. Uh, for, for everyone, that uh, is a callback to a lengthy 20-minute discussion that didn't end up in the final cut of this episode. While Gene was pooping. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you know, we can't have him contractually we can't have obama say a lot of things so we have to get banger in to give high fives we got to get jfk in to say some stuff and we've got to get richard nixon in to brag about closing a deal with studebaker <laughs> so that's how we sort of vary our, our very special guests on the program and i closed a deal with your mom dick so the next one is much more critical and i think okay i think lee you will have something to say about this great roll him Hey, Inside Jobs. I just wanted to say I'm so happy that you guys are so pleased with yourself you decided to take the week off. I mean, you did work so hard on that Micro-Pee episode. You deserve it. Maybe you could take next week off, too, and you could maybe do a like a flashback episode or, or some sort of countdown. Anyway, great job. Way to phone it in. Fuck you guys. So I emailed with this asshole, and he was like, yeah... You guys didn't cover an inside job on the episode 12 conspiracy episode. It was just a lot of intellectual masturbation. Get back to the regular stuff. So, Hang on. I'll be right back. I think doing a flashback. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What is Lee? <laughs> okay, you guys there? Yeah. <laughs> okay. You all right, Lee? You, you yeah, okay there? Yeah, hang on. Suck my dick, suck my dick, you're a little prick and I fucked your chick. Suck my dick, fuck my dick, fuck my fucking goddamn dick. Fuck you. Okay, I'm back. Oh, thank, thank, thank you for that interlude. Sure. Lee, you told that guy to fuck your dick. <laughs> I'm sorry, I went into a dissociative Do you mean like state. you want him to dock with you? <laughs> um, you want to dock? You want to dock with Mark from New Jersey? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay, I'll set it up. I have his email. Yeah, that's how Jews demonstrate power over our circumcised, um, shackled, um, uh, you know, whatever's You're... is that we we make them fuck our dicks. Yeah, your in your inverted concave dicks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Um, no, seriously, Mark, I appreciate your feedback. Appreciate your feedback. Yeah, we always and I think and I think doing a flashback episode is a terrific idea. Yeah, maybe we should, <laughs> yeah, that take is actually it really easy. Good. Maybe we should do that one for for the next time. That'll give us an entire month off. Yeah. So that was some good feedback. I would like to thank everybody uh, on Twitter uh, and anyone who yeah. emailed us for telling us about the the last show. This, this week was a return to form, and by form I mean leisurely ramble through a lot of tangents not related to uh, the topic of the show and leisurely was my uh, nickname in college <laughs> oh man that is so good leisurely larry leisurely <laughs> um but uh but we did get some feedback or uh, sorry but as yeah I was... brian we already talked about that jesus fucking christ <laughs> as i was researching this week's episode I was reading about, you know... Man, you do research? Yes, Gene. Some of us are <laughs> professionals. <laughs> Try acting. Some of us are prostitutes. <laughs> um, and I found uh, a very interesting uh, thing when I was researching the protocols and how they related to 9-11. This is an audio clip of, uh, of President Barack Obama. So. Oh, okay. I'm aware that there's still some who would question or even justify the offense of 9-11. But let us be clear. The Weekly Dictator Podcast. Killed nearly 3,000 people on that day. Aurora Nibley, Josh Grimmer, Will Simons, and President George W. Bush. Chose to ruthlessly murder these people. Claimed credit for the attack. And even now, release factually inaccurate and subpar podcasts. <laughs> so, I mean, that is it's pretty damning. That's pretty damning. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember a few episodes back, we talked about how we want a rival podcast. And with that kind of evidence being brought to light that I dug deep out of the archives, I, I think we can definitely say... The Weekly Dictator podcast is is our rival. So it's it's weird that the Weekly Dictator would continue to release these podcasts after Barack Obama stated something like that. Yeah. Uh, no, so I'm ba- I think we should basically leave it up to them to respond. So sure. listeners if you so, if you want to follow them they're on iTunes or you can look at their website which is weekly the weekly www.weeklydictator.com. Uh, oh, I thought it was the weekly dictaster.com. So yeah, but if you guys uh, out there listening to our show uh, would like to find more of our back episodes or anything or get in touch with us, you can go to our website, which is insidejobscast.com. I'm looking at it now. Pretty beautiful website. One thing that you might not know if you just listen to the podcast is that I occasionally post other stuff on the website so you can go there and check that out as it is infrequently posted so for instance i did a an rfk a life in pictures which i thought was good and related to that episode yeah that was really good I like um that. if you would like to get in touch with us via email you can email us inside at gmail.com you can call our hotline which is 413-225-1963 or you can tweet at us at inside jobscast and gene uh there's something that i would like you to mention and it has it relates to itunes ratings uh we really love it when our listeners rate us on iTunes, and by say rate us, I mean you just give us five stars. We don't need your honest opinion. Let's be real here. We're trying to get 
inside jobs out there, and it's actually kind of worked. We are in the what's hot category in the history section of iTunes. That's right. We skipped right by new and noteworthy, which is mm -hmm. for uh, less stellar podcasts. That's kind of like the new and noteworthy is kind of like the certificate of like, you know, like when you play a sport and you didn't win certificate anything. Certificate of merit. Yeah, you get a, you get a, a certificate saying you played Basketball. Oh, participate! Yeah, you, part you right. Like when I got that most improved trophy on the swim team that one summer because I was less fat than yeah. I was the week. The, no, the that's a real before. trophy. Most improved. That's kind of like what what's hot is is most improved for the oh, coaches okay. award. All right. I noticed that we were right behind some podcast from BBC Four, which means we're better than BBC Basically. Five. Exactly. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Brits. Um. But I would like to also point out, we haven't had any reviews or ratings in, like, weeks. What the hell's going on? If you haven't done it, it really helps us out, and we would really appreciate it. So Yeah. And also, if you want to see um, a stop-motion Marlon Brando do coke off of a Carrie Fisher's ass, go to figuresofaction.com and watch and some why of the videos there. So, guys, I think that was a good episode. I think our fans are doing a great job getting in touch with us. And, again, the Weekly Dictator sucks awaiting their response uh, but, uh I, th I wanna... thank you to all the people on the street who just kiss me yeah that's really helping the him fans, out. the fans that i see on the streets every day thank you um everybody in my life for um jeepers just not getting back to my text messages <laughs> Jesus. about what my plans are for tonight thank you rabbi Raphael asher uh for doing such a good job uh at my bar mitzvah thank you i made a lot of money and i would like to thank the two of you lee and and gene for joining me to discuss this very important topic i think we dug up some real information here uh yeah i think so i think so that thing about julie louise dreyfus especially <laughs> yeah so uh thank you for listening to the show we will be back in two weeks until then follow the money shabbat shalom why can't you follow the money the, uh, me and diane keaton we decided to follow the money. <laughs> nice lady follow the money And the Nazis were great at it.